Hey, good morning. Man, I am so glad to be here. Before I, I get started on the message uh, that uh, they've asked me to preach, I want to say something about, uh, first of all, a couple of things. First of all, you know this, but every time I come here, I'm, I'm blown away by the, the culture here. I'm blown away by the tone here. And I'm going to tell you where that comes from. That comes from Gary Thompson, your pastor. And I'm going to tell you something, church, you have a great pastor in Gary Thompson, y'all, a very good pastor. And so also you have a, yes. You also have an incredible reputation, okay? You know, we're, we, we got these two churches, the one on the east side and here on the south side. You have an incredible reputation of serving. I, I want you to know that, man. When I think about y'all, I think of a serving church. You know why you serve? When you love Jesus. And you love other people. And so I just want to say this. Hey, good job to y'all. Way to go. Way to go. They've, we're in this series called Breaking Free. And they've asked me to speak on depression. And so I, it's been a difficult uh, putting all this together because there's so many scriptures that talk about it. And so what I want to do today, I'm going to start out just by telling you my story. And then we'll get into the scriptures. So I struggled with depression um, for a lot of my life. Um, my first bout with depression that really uh, was almost debilitating for me, I, when I say debilitating, I felt a hole and a physical pain in my, in my chest. Uh, that's how bad it was. That was during high school. Now, on the outside, things look great, um, you, know, you know, doing what typical high schoolers do and sports and dating, all that kind of stuff, working a job. But man, when I was by myself, I can't not tell me how many times the weeping would begin. And it was a tough time for me. But I'll tell you what happened. Uh, the year after I graduated high school, it was the Christmas of 1987. Man, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you, for the first time in my life, I felt joy and peace. I grew up in the church and I thought I, I knew Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, I trusted him as Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden, this, there was joy and, and there was peace. And then there was this boldness. And I, I was truly a, a transformed person. But then fast forward 28 years, and I think it's 2015, I'm meeting with Sammy Osborne, who was up here on the square, and I wanted him to know, these, these were my words to him, you're the chairman of the elders, and I'm the senior pastor, and you need to know that I'm done, that I don't want to do this anymore. South was great, East was great, but I was done. Now, you can imagine Chairman of the Elders, senior pastor sitting there, and he, he was concerned, and he asked me a couple of questions. I don't know what question uh, preceded this answer. I said, look, I know what Sunday's going to look like. I know what Monday's going to look like. I know what Tuesday's going to look like. I know what Thursday's going to look like, Friday, Saturday. I know what they're all going to look like. I'm bored, and I'm done. And he says, do you think you're depressed? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It offended me. His intuitiveness... <laughs> offended me. I thought, I'm not crying. I'm not sad. I'm done, though. I'm done. But what I didn't tell him was I was having thoughts when I'm going down the road of driving my car off the road, maybe off a bridge or around a telephone pole or, or into a tree. That's what I didn't tell him. Well, that conversation began a six-month sabbatical where I was meeting with a psychotherapist uh, every two weeks who specialized with, with pastors. 
early in the in the sessions, he gave me this test. It was a 10, 10 question um, test on depression. He said, I want you to go home. I want you to fill this out. I go home. I fill this out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I answer this honestly, he's going to think I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah, I messed up. But uh, and so I cheated. I know I'm a pastor. OK, but I cheated. And so I just backed off all those questions, you know, and made the nines and tens, fives and sixes, you know. And so anyway, I, we walk into the next session. I hand it to him and he just puts it in his bag. He didn't look at it. We go through the whole session and finally I'm just feeling guilty. I said, look, I cheated on that test. He said, Scott. I didn't give you the test so, you, you, the, but so I would know if you're depressed. I gave you the test so you would know you're depressed. Because I was denying it. With all the warning signs and all the signals and being a pastor who should recognize these things, I was denying that. Well, that led to a psychiatrist that he recommended and that led to me being on medication for about maybe close to a year. A few weeks after being on the meds, all of a sudden I felt like I was living this antidepressant commercial. You know, the ones where there's flowers and butterflies and there's music playing. And I was like, what in the world? You know, it was incredible. And I remember asking somebody, do you feel this way all the time? Anyway, um, I'm glad I went to counseling. And while the, the meds were, were good, it didn't remove the destructive thoughts, patterns. The meds were good and they were an incredible tool, but it didn't remove the problems or the destructive thoughts. I'm glad I went to counseling and I would recommend counseling, do recommend, and I would gladly go again if, if I go into a season like that. But can I tell you where counseling helped me the most? It provided me a safe place to share my fears. It provided me a safe place to share my thoughts. And what if people really knew? It provided me a safe place to confess sin. It provided me all that, but is that the only place I could go? So around 2015, I started attending Celebrate Recovery, not, not as a pastor, not, not as a staff member, um, but as a participant. And I went through my second step study, and I found principle four. I found this, this missing piece that says, openly, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Man, that step alone helped me tremendously. And then I started practicing that with my accountability partner. And I had an accountability partner for 20-something years, but one thing I held back was the depression. I told someone else about it. And you know what? They accepted me. Because depression will tell you this. If I tell somebody, what will they think? If I tell somebody, they'll think badly of me. If I tell somebody, they won't want to be around me. They accepted me. And here's something I learned at, at that point. I learned that we are never fully accepted until we're fully known. And I'll tell you this, we're never fully loved until we're fully known. That was one of the most freeing parts 
of my recovery from depression and, and anxiety. I have learned to be grateful for my depression. I'll never forget, Sammy said uh, early on, he said, you know, one day God will use this as part of your ministry. What I want you to hear today is this. And, then, and listen, I know it can be a hard statement to hear, but I want you to, hopefully by the end of this message, you'll, you'll understand why it's good. Depression can lead us into a deeper walk with Jesus. Church, I, I, I want you, if you're struggling with this today, I, I want you to understand it can lead us into a deeper walk with Jesus. My, my goal today, I'll tell you one goal I have, and it's a, it's a not goal, is to, to not come across flippant. I don't. I know I've got 30 minutes, maybe 26 now, maybe 25. I've got 25 more minutes to talk about depression. And what I don't want to do is for you to think that I think I can solve something you've been struggling with for years, if not your whole life, in 30 minutes. But I do want to provide you hope where you can experience freedom even in the middle of your depression, where you can have these moments with God, where there's hope again, where there was despair. And my goal is for you to be comforted by God's word. Because I'll tell you something, God's word is perfect. And like it says in Psalm 119, it revives the soul. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and we're going to look at these scriptures throughout this message. And here are the two scriptures. Can we read these together? Psalm 143.8. Let's read these together. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Next one. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. So hopefully today you're going to leave here and your soul is going to be comforted. You're going to know that, you, that you're not alone. And you're going to be reminded of an incredible God that cares for you. So quickly, all right, what causes depression? All right, that's what I get, I get asked all the time. So I got something. You can quote me on this. I hope you'll put it on Facebook. You'll tweet it, put it on social media right here. This is directly from me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, please, if you use that, give me credit, okay? You're thinking, man, Gary brought in a real expert today. This is good. I will talk to you about some possible causes, though. And so it may be one of these. It may be a couple of these. It may be none of these. Lack of rest or workaholic. You can, you can so drain your adrenal glands that all of a sudden you've entered into a season of depression. It can be physical illness. It, that can lead to it. It can be physical condition. It can be trauma that you experienced as a child or as an adult can lead into it. It could be brain damage, a stroke, or, or maybe you're born with a birth defect that can lead into that. It can be medicines. I have a friend, uh, a good friend. Um, I mean, he's always up here. He's always encouraging someone. He's He's always happy. I mean, he's sickening. You know what I'm saying? But he's always up, you know? And then one day I, I noticed he was here. And then over a month, he's down here in the springtime. And somehow or another, we got in a conversation. And I said, hey, what's going on? He says, Scott, I'm depressed. I said, are you taking Zyrtec? He said, yeah. I said, stop. And I'm going to tell you something. About a week's time, he was right back to normal. I mean, there was snot everywhere and everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, hey, I'm going to tell you. 
He knows he can't take Zyrtec. I take Zyrtec first day. I feel a little better. Second day, allergies are, are great. Third day, I want to slip my wrist. And I am not joking. That's what Zyrtec does to me. So it may be just something as a medication. It could be an unhealthy gut. I don't have time to go into this, but 95% of your serotonin comes from your, from your gut region. And so when the gut is unhealthy, you're not getting the serotonin. And what serotonin does, man, when you don't have enough serotonin, it's thought to play a role in anxiety and, and depression and mania and other mental health conditions. As a pastor, I see this one over and over again. There's unforgiveness. And man, it is eating away at the believer. There's unconfessed sin. There is unresolved grief. There's people pleasing, which you're going to hear a great message on that, of codependency soon. And let's just be honest. Life is hard. Amen? Amen. So it could be one of these reasons. It could be multiple, of these, multiple reasons, or it could be none of these reasons. It could be reasons beyond these. So what do we do, though? What, where do we find relief in depression? I'm going to read those scriptures again. I want you to listen carefully to the word of God. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the, the way in, in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. In the fear of the Lord, there, there is strong confidence and his children will have a, a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there's a, a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of life. I want to say this. As you think about depression, I want to give you some real practical stuff. It's very important to have a correct theology of the, of the human body. God made mankind, male and female, he created them, it says, right? Paul says, don't you know that your body is a, a temple of the Holy Spirit? So what part of the body is spiritual? Man, all of it, right? The whole body is spiritual. There's so much scientific data that, that points to the fact that the way we're treating our bodies is creating a lot of mental illness. I just read a story about fried foods being a major cause of depression and anxiety. Now, some of you just thought, I don't like this preacher. <laughs> I don't like him at all. And while you're debating that, let me say this. Sugar is depression's best friend. You're depressed. So, you know what? You need to cut out the sugar. Now, some of you thought, yeah, I do hate him. He is the worst preacher I've ever heard. The top things people reach for in depression that I've seen is food. Sweets, alcohol, and porn. And the reason, the reason they reach for these things is because they want to feel good. They, they just want to feel something. Albert Tate said this, what we long for is not always what we reach for. What we long for is not always what we reach for. We want, we want God's loving kindness. We want his comfort. We want his mercy. Scott Moore reaches for a Swiss cake roll. Because hmm? if you're going to reach for a little Debbie, you got to go for the Mac Daddy, right? Or we want God's comfort. We want his mercy. We want his tenderness. And we reach for porn. We just want to be comforted. Because what we really long for is this. Again, look at these scriptures. 
his loving kindness. We want to know the way in which we should walk. We, we want to know what to do. You look at the next scripture, we want what? We want a strong confidence is what we want. We, we want a place uh, of refuge. We want that, that fountain of, of life. That's what we want. So let's walk through these scriptures together. And listen, there's so many scriptures that speak to the suffering soul, the affliction that people go through in life. I'm just going to hit a couple. The very first thing you have to do, you have to settle the lordship issue daily. You have to settle the lordship issue daily. First uh, Peter 3, he says, hey, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. He's talking to Christians. Why do we want to do that? You know what? I'm not God, but I sure do like to play him in real life. I, I like to be Lord of my life. I like to make the decisions. I like to make the calls. Now we got to settle the lordship issue daily. Listen to this language one more time. He says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. Cause me. He's talking to someone in greater authority than himself. Cause me to hear that loving kindness. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. Cause me to know these things. And the psalmist is recognizing right off the bat where the power and the authority comes from. Who has the power to change him? In, in Proverbs, it says this, in the fear of the Lord, and we're going to come back to this because this can be a sticking point for some. In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there's a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of life. Fear and strong confidence sound like a huge contradiction, right? To fear the Lord, to be afraid of the Lord is going to give me strong confidence. He's not talking about that. Man, he's talking about fear in the Lord, understanding the power, understanding the authority, understanding the wisdom and understanding the love, knowing that he is supreme over all creation, that he's supreme over every authority, that kings bow down to him, understanding that that one loves me immensely, understanding that's the fear of the Lord, having him in the right place. And what does that do for the believer? No matter what you're going through, and there's strong confidence. There's strong confidence. And then when you've got him in the right place, they say, hey, what you say, and what you think, what you decide, what you desire, that matters above all. And what does that look like for the person? Psalm 112.1 says this. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commands. That's what it looks like. Blessed, happy is the man who fears the Lord. The great thing, I heard Chris's cousin say this at an event for her grandfather one time. He said, this is her, her cousin's name's Mike, but if you ever quote this, quote me saying it, okay? It's a joke. The great thing about fearing God is you don't have to fear anything else. The great thing about having God in the right place is you don't have to be afraid of anything else. There's a common lie that depression either negates God or God negates depression. 
There's this common lie that you can't experience both. Well, don't tell Moses that. Don't tell King David that. Don't tell Job that. Don't, don't tell Noah that. Don't, don't tell uh, Elijah that. Don't tell Jonah that. I would not have known the comfort of the Spirit had it not been for the pain of my depression. I would not know Jesus as well as I do had it not been for that drought in my life. And I would much rather know Jesus and go through that than to not know him the way I do. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there's a strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Those who need refuge are those who are going through it. Those who are being attacked, those who are going through a battle, those who are going through a struggle, those who need refuge are those who are suffering. Now, depression is overwhelming at times. I know it. And it can make all of life seem impossible. Yet meeting with the one who's in charge, being in his word, the one who is sovereign over all creation, brings hope and light to every circumstance you and I go through. So settle the issue daily that Jesus is, is Lord. Now, the next thing is this. We settle that issue daily, then we seek his loving kindness daily. He says this here. He says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Now, I was depressed, and maybe some of you can relate to this. Man, the thoughts were moving so fast in my head. Spiral thinking. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but man, it was like, and man, I could not slow my thoughts down. Now on the outside, y'all may not have known what was going on in my head, but here's what these thoughts were. You don't have what it takes. Nobody wants to listen to you. You're not a very good preacher. You're not a very good father. You're not a very good husband. You're not very good at anything that you do. Matter of fact, not only are you not very good at it, you're, you're losing at everything. You're not winning anywhere. Hence the meds. They were moving so fast. My daughter said, I said, why are you putting him on meds? I don't want to be a zombie. He said, I'm not going to make, he was 83, but he was tough. He said, I'm not going to make you a zombie. I wouldn't do that to you. But your thoughts are moving so fast. We got to slow them down. And I thought that meant I was going to live like, like this. You know, it didn't at all. But it was able, enabled me to go, wait, that's a lie. To take every thought captive to the mind of Christ. That's a lie. I have all things. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. I am more than a conqueror. Tracy's lucky to have me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Truth. No, I'm just kidding. Calls me to hear your loving kindness. Calls me to hear your loving kindness over the lies, Lord. Calls me to hear your loving kindness over the fears. Calls me to hear your loving kindness over my doubts. Calls me to hear your loving kindness. 
Now, the way I'm going to be able to do that, it's impossible to hear the loving kindness of God without being in the Word of God. So I, I want to say this, and listen, I'm not just talking about a 15-minute quiet time. Now I'm talking about pick up that book throughout the day. I mean, if you've got to have morning, noon, and, and night, man, I mean, there's sometimes you just need the Word of God all day long. You write it on a piece of paper. You write it in your journal. You just carry it with you wherever you go, man. You, you, you pop the, I'm treating the Scripture like medicine, but you know what? Nothing soothes my soul like Scripture does. And so you just look at it, and you tell yourself what's going on. Listen, one of the, the, the uh, just one of the verses in Scripture says this. It says, when hard pressed, I cried out to the Lord and he brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. Uh, another word that encourages us. We hear his loving kindness is Psalm 116.7. Return to rest, O my soul. For the Lord has been good to you. Do, you. do you hear what the psalmist just said? He is commanding his soul. Soul, be at rest. And then he reminds his soul, for the Lord your God has been good to you. Too many times we let the inner man dictate to the outer man. We, we let this, uh, this problems tell us and dictate us what we're going to feel. And it's like, whoa. No, be at rest, O oh my soul, for the Lord your God has been good to you. And then you also want to hear the loving kindness of God. You got to be in his word, but you got to be around others. You, you got to let other people in. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I think the most beautiful part about celebrate recovery is the moment you walk in. There, there's a lot of great parts. Don't get me wrong. But you know what I love about it? The moment you walked in, you're accepted. And you're thinking, what if they know I'm messed up? We think everybody's messed up. <laughs> Matter of fact, we know everybody's messed up. You're just brave enough to show up and admit it. And so if you've ever been there, you know what? We don't celebrate the newcomer just to add energy. Man, we've all been a newcomer. And the moment you walk in, we know. We may not know what it is. But we know it's there. And man, we celebrate you. And we celebrate your bravery. We celebrate that first step of showing up. And you will find that you are not alone. And you will find the encouragement from other people who get it. Who get it. So, man, settle that lordship issue daily. Man, seek his loving kindness daily. And then finally, surrender to his will daily. When you're in a storm, people tend to make the worst decisions. I've seen people going through it, and here's what they do. They either, they either break up with somebody real quick, get a quick divorce. They, want, they just want to change something. They move, whatever it may be. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. Lord, cause me to know. And this is not a weekly thing or a monthly thing. This is a daily thing. God, you cause me. Your will, not mine, be done.
cause me to know God. So today, if you're depressed, I want to say this. I think there's different levels of, of depression. But this goes to everybody. Talk to someone. And talk, you got incredible staff. You got incredible volunteer leaders. Talk to someone. Let them in. Maybe you need to see a, see a counselor. Man, I would applaud that. What, Gary and the staff here, myself, we got a list of counselors. We highly recommend. I, I'll say this, though. Make sure they're a Bible-believing counselor because you're a new creation. You're not like the rest of the world. You're a new creation. And you want truth guarding and directing their decisions. And come to celebrate recovery. Don't, don't do this alone. Man, let us walk with you. Let us embrace you. Let us be there with you. Depression is real, but so is Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Depression is real, but so is Jesus. Depression is strong, but Jesus is stronger. I'm going to tell you, you need Jesus. You just need him. You need him in the morning, you need him in the evening, you need him in the noontime. Now, I will say this. It's been years since I've dealt with depression. Have I had difficult seasons? Yes. Have I been discouraged deeply? Have I been disappointed greatly? Have I questioned myself? Am I depressed? Often. If I can honestly say, God has shown me his loving kindness. He has caused me to know the way in which I should walk. He is my strong confidence. And he is my fountain of life. Freedom begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. Not on your own. Not by yourself. Not just you and a counselor, not you and just meds. It begins with Jesus. And so in just a moment, we're, we're, we're going to sing. And um, man, if you want to pray, I, I know we've already had prayer. You, you can pray. I'm going to be standing right over here. I'll be glad to pray with you. I know Gary and Leslie are right here. I know they would be glad to pray with you. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it one more time. It begins with Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for never giving up. I thank you, God, for your comfort. I thank you, God, for your word that speaks of your comfort, Father, for the afflicted, for those that are struggling, for those who are oppressed and depressed. I thank you, God, for that you are a God that cares. I thank you for Jesus, Father, who you sent, a suffering servant, God, who lived on this earth and knows what it's like to be us, who gets us, so now what I pray is this, that you would just, because of the truth of who you are, you would minister to us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.